Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 78, week 78, volume 78, number fucking 78. How you going guys? How's your week been? Thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is Mike from All Out War, and that will be coming up later in the show. Normally we kick things off with a bit of feedback, bit of questions, bit of what's been going on. This week's been pretty quiet. There's no real feedback, no real questions. We are still smashing it in the listens and the shares. So massive shout out to everyone that is listening, sharing it, following, downloading, whatever you're doing, guys, we're noticing it. Thank you so much. Keep it up. Much love. We notice you all. So since there's not a lot to get done with at the start of the show, We might as well kick into the part of the show you're all tuned into for. This week's guest is Mike from All Out War. i got to first off say thank you so very much, Mike, for taking time out for me and the Mosh Zone. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. All Out War are one of those bands that have really been pushing and doing their thing since the early 90s, and they're doing it with the same form of intensity and aggression and passion that they started out with. They're still doing it to this day. So to have Mike on the show is a big moment. He is an absolute legend of the heavy scene, and it was a great opportunity to get to know about him, but the band, his passions, the very intriguing insight about what the band says. So it was a really in-depth and exciting interview. So again, got to say thank you, Mike, so very much, dude. Also, guys, as this episode comes to you, they have just released their most recent album, which is called Crawl Among the Filth. Make sure you get into that as well. But enough of the ramblings. Let's get into the interview. The chat with Mike is coming up now. So I always start off with kind of the same kind of question, which is, Do you remember an artist or a musician when you were growing up that kind of brought you into music? Not necessarily a heavy man, but just an artist that helped you discover music was a thing. Bob Dylan Desire album. Ooh. That was the first album that I totally remember listening to. And that that hooked me on music. Specifically the song Hurricane. But um, because that was that was heavy. I mean, I was a little kid. I have no idea what heavy was at the time, but I knew that that song was aggressive and I totally dug that song. And that kind of that got me hooked. So what was your discovery from then? Like, did you then just get into more Dylan or did it slowly evolve into more of a heavier side of things? How was your growth with heavy music, you know, birthed? Slow, you know, I, I heard that and then other things, you know, like, let's see, I'm probably just going to skip some things, but like, you know, Alice Cooper, Scorpion, stuff like that, you know, and then Van Halen or probably Van Halen intermingled with all of that. And then eventually just the heavier stuff. And I think for me, Growing up, it was an escape because I was I was very uh, quiet kid, very uh, you know, sort of uh, didn't really fit in anywhere. So music was definitely my escape. So I just kind of 
breeds music totally. And uh, it just kind of progressed. And then, you know, I got a group of friends that was into into the heavier stuff. And, and there it went. So not only was it a bit of escape, was but for it sounds like you're a bit of the same kind of kid as me. So did it also kind of give you a self of identity and a self of belonging? Was that also what drove you into kind of the more aggressive side of things? Without a doubt, definitely a sense of belonging. Definitely like uh, just like like you know, I was a kid. I played sports. I really liked playing sports, but the only thing with that is I never really fit in with the other kids that played sports. Mm -hmm. So music was definitely something I connected with, especially, you know, early on, you know, preteens and beyond. So was, um, what was it like at school? I mean, you were saying sport there, but was anyone else kind of an outsider that was listening to the heavier side of music or were you literally the only one you knew at school that was listening to that kind of music? No, we definitely had a small group of, of kids that were totally in, into heavy stuff. And then, and then as we got older, we sort of divided into different cliques of that. You know, at first, you know, it was all about metal. And then as we got older, you know, it was different kinds of metal and then, then punk and then hardcore, you know, and, and stuff like that. I, I sort of always kind of floated between all different groups, though, because I've, I've always been like really into all different types of heavy music, not just not just one. Yeah, so, which um, which you, know. you can kind of tell, I mean, without going too far forward ahead of things, but you can tell that with All Out War, it is very much not pigeonholed in one style, and that obviously has always been your thing. It's you're into everything. Right, definitely. I mean, we draw our influences from all sorts of heavy music, whether it's thrash or death metal, black metal, grind, crust, you know, all, all sorts of stuff. So uh, we definitely you know, are, are pulling from all sorts of different influences constantly. Um, Which helps keeps everything fresh, too, you know. Every, it keeps everything fresh because we're not just all entrenched into one style. Well, it does, but I, I think part of the thing nowadays is people want a band to be set to one style. So do you think sometimes people get a bit confused because there'll be a very thrashy song and then there'll be a very beat-down song um, or do you think people have just over time accepted that, you know, you guys do what you do and it's different and that's what makes you guys unique in the overarching scape of heavy music? I, I think we've always confused people. So, <laughs> you know, I don't think, we, you know, I think that we've always been sort of out on our own, like, just like in life with the band, you know, all Our Wars never really fit into any particular mold, and I think that that's always confused people. You know, we've never fit in, and you know what? We're not about to start to fit in. So, I mean, we do what we do, and that's it. Yeah, I love that. and I, I, I love that about, you know, All Out War and what you guys do. I also find it funny because there's always that, you know, overarching argument that is All Out War a metal band playing hardcore or a hardcore band playing metal? Is there's always that going on with people? I think All Out War is definitely a metal band that that really is um, 
involved and appreciates the community aspects of hardcore. I think, you know, we've always been drawn to the community aspects of it, the DIY aspects, the um, ground, uh, grassroots aspects of hardcore. But at the same time, you know, stylistically, we're definitely, definitely a metal band. Oh, yeah. I love... But I think that's refreshing what you do, you know, dabbling in everything. So I um, want to just go back a bit more with the roots of everything. And what was it like for you growing up? Was music in the household? Um, and then the second part of that question was, you know, what age did you decide that music was something that you seriously wanted to pursue? Well, growing up, music was always in, in the household, like on on Friday nights, you know, after my father got home from work, he would throw on different types of music, mostly like rock and things like that. And um, so it's always been there. I, I wouldn't say that I grew up in a household that was overly interested in music. It was just something that was there, you know, and um, sort of like in the background. And then as far as being, I don't think I ever really wanted to be in a band. I don't think there's anything that I set out to do. It was just something that I fell into over time because like I hung out with people that were, well, I'll trace it back. I guess if you don't mind yeah, go for a it. little bit, you know, I was, I was heavily involved into metal. Right. And then I started to go to like, to me, it was, it was all metal. Like I had heard the Cro-Mags, to me, it was metal. You know, I've heard Agnostic Front. To me, it was metal. Like, I had no... Until I started to really go to shows that I realized that there was a difference. So I started going to uh, crossover shows like Nuclear Assault. i go to Nuclear Assault. I'd see Broken Bones. I'd go see Creator. I'd see DRI. You know, I saw a Creator DRI tour, you know. And then I started to just follow up on all these bands. And then I just discovered hardcore. So I was going to, like, all the metal shows. But then I started to go to CBGBs. And I started to go to the Anthrax in, uh, in Connecticut, which was the old Connecticut club. And I just started to really discover hardcore. And what the thing was about hardcore that really drew me to that scene was that there were no barriers like there is in metal and like you were right up front the band was right there you could go you bought t-shirts from the band themselves you talked to the band and as like a 15 year old kid this was amazing to me so as i started to like get more involved in that that's when being in a band became something that i thought i could do it wasn't something that I set out to do, if that makes any sense. And then there was a, a local band called AWOL, and, um, which really is... AWOL eventually just morphed into All Out War. So they were playing their last show, but they didn't have a singer. And I was just hanging out, so they asked me to sing. And I said, yeah, I'll sing, but I have some, some ideas for some songs. And, uh, you know, that's where Destin the Burn came from. Mm. And I, I sang that show. And uh, after that, you know, it wasn't working out with the guitar player that they had. So we recruited Chris, who was in Marauder at the time. And uh, that's where all our work came from. But it didn't, I never set out to be in a band. I never said, hey, you know, 
this is what I want to do. It was more like I was around, they needed a singer. I was into it. I felt like I could do it. And it, everything went from there. Yes. Well, it sounds like one of those situations where everything just kind of the stars aligned and it fell in your lap. And, you know, you look, you look later and you're still doing, still doing, still doing it to this day. But in school, were you looking at a career to drop back into? Because, you know, I think especially then, but also quite a bit now, if someone says, look, I'm going to go into a music career, a lot of people would say, mm, you need to think about something else to do nine to five. So was there a nine to five consideration going through those years? Or was it really just, you know, flying by the seat of your pants and just saying, well, whatever happens, happens? Whatever happens, happens. <laughs> but I always was, what what happened was I I went to college, but I didn't go to college for anything specific. I just was going to college. I was actually going to college and I was, uh, I was doing all that war. I was going to college and I was a janitor. So that was my, oh. that was my life, you know? And, um, I was really majoring in history and, um, because I've always been fascinated with history. I mean, I think you can see some of it with the lyrics, you know, so I've uh, always been interested in history. And one day, the principal of the school I was working at came up to me and said, because I was a custodian of school, and he came up to me and said, hey, what are you doing? And I was just like, what do you mean, what am I doing? And uh, <laughs> he kind of said, well, what are you going to do with your life? And I said, I, I don't know. He said, well, what are you interested in? I said, well, I'm interested in history. And uh, he said, well, you know, you're in a band. You're interested in history. You're good with the kids. Why don't you go to school to be a teacher? So uh said, why not? So I started to uh, take classes. I started to like more concentrate on what I was going to college for. But at the same time, I was an all-out war. So how it was working was I would go to school for a semester, and then I would go on tour with all-out war for a while. And then I'd come back, and I'd take some classes, and then I'd go back out on the road. So it was like it took me forever to uh, get a degree because you know i was always out on the road with all that war but eventually that's that's what happened wow wow I, lo I love that that's quite a quite a shift in things and um history like you said you can see that through the lyrics um it's eye-opening and um confronting is that is that something that from the outset you know you mentioned about when you stepped in and you had some ideas has that always been a thing that you wanted to do or is it just something that naturally evolved over time with your lyrics no i've always you know if, I, if i'm going to be in the band and and most of the band just about all the bands i like you know or really like have, have some sort of message to them you know i i wouldn't be in a band if i wasn't trying to convey some sort of message with the lyrics because you know that's that's what I want to do. You know, you want to open people's eyes. You want to make people, you know, aware of what's going on around them. And you don't want to just go up there and, and go through the motions or, or sing about some kind of fantasy, whether whether it be like a, a fantasy, like a mythical fantasy or like some kind of like fake life that you don't even lead type of deal, you know. Mm. So uh, the lyrics have always been very important. Yeah, and I think that's also what's made you guys stand out is um, when you guys were kicking off in the early 90s, bands did 
have a message and a purpose. And as you guys have kept going on, you've kept that message. But through the times, bands have dropped that message in their songs. Um, is that something that's a worrying thing for you that you see that bands are no longer seeing this platform of art as a way of opening people's eyes? Or do you think it's just we go through ebb and flows of this that, you know, it might come back in the next year or two, people will give a purpose in their message? Well, I hope it, it comes back. You know, it's really, I was, I was just thinking about this actually recently because I was, I was thinking about all the things that bands sang about in, in the eighties and sang about, you know, in the early nineties. And I was like, wow, these, these lyrics hold up so much and younger bands should really be concerned with these themes and younger bands should really be pushing these themes, especially since we're at the state that we're at now where, you know, those, those songs and those lyrics are so much, uh, I wouldn't say more valid, but they're just as valid as they were back then. And I think, you know, music in general really needs the younger bands to really take, take the torch and start to really address certain themes. Yeah, I think part of the problem they have nowadays is I think if a band comes out with a message that's relatively new, a lot of people think that they're pushing an agenda, and I think that's a worrying conception that needs to be broken with the modern bands or the younger bands is that you know, having an agenda isn't a negative thing. You're just trying to open people's eyes. You right. know, straight edge bands were a thing that were dying off, but they're starting to come back now. So that's a good agenda. That's a positive agenda for people to listen to. It's it's a sign of the times, like you said, and hopefully um, bands will start to wake up and, you know, portray the world they're living in because it's important that people realise that we're not living in, you know, lollipops and rainbows. We're living in quite a dark time. Right, and it's in a dangerous time at that. A horrible time. Um, I want to go back to, you know, touch on some albums with All Out War in the early days. Now, one thing I know, and I heard it around the time I discovered you guys, and in a way, I don't know whether it actually happened or it was just an infamous thing, there's that talk of the first show or the one of the first shows, there was a big skate park show and there was a big riot that broke out. Um, is this something that happened or what can you say about it? Because it's become a bit of a folklore story from what I've, I've gathered. It definitely definitely happened. That was the, um, the last AWOL show. It wasn't an all-out war show. It was, it, but AWOL morphed into all-out war. So, um, yeah, I mean, those were crazy times at shows in general, you know, especially, you know, the, the early nineties, there were a lot of, a lot of unnecessary fights and a lot of crazy stuff went, went down and, you know, it is what it is. And I mean, all of that violence, you know, really killed the scene for a while. And it was very difficult to put on shows because, you know, club owners didn't want to deal with all the, all of that nonsense. So it definitely, definitely was a negative thing. It's quite a thing that, you know, if you look at a crowd nowadays, do you think crowds are still as violent? Because there's a lot of talk nowadays about how a, a mosh pit reacts nowadays. And a lot of people are saying that's very violent. Or was it violent in a whole different level back then? It, it was violent a whole different level. I think 
I mean, back then, I think that it was very, very much more reactionary and not really planned and scripted where a lot of the stuff today seems a little bit, you know, scripted where, you know, Hey, I'm going to quote unquote crowd kill or whatever, you know, ridiculous stuff that goes on where I think before it wasn't, it wasn't intended. It just sort of blew up out of nowhere. Mm. Um, and the scene, the scene was very, um, exciting in that style as well. I think, you know, the crowd were doing what they were doing, but I mean, things were exciting and you guys spent quite a lot of time grinding at it, doing really the DIY stuff before you kind of linked up with Victory Records. What were the early years like? You know, there was some seven inches and things like that dropped, but was it really those years just about putting in the yards and earning your place? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, we really, I mean, we, we played a ton of shows. Um, and, and again, All Out War wasn't a band that was easily, you know, pigeonholed. It wasn't a band that you could easily say, oh, they're this or they're that. Because even, you know, you take the mid, mid-90s, a lot of those metallic bands were straight edge, and we were never a straight edge band, so we never fit in there. And we were much more in your face about being metal than than a lot of other bands, you know, in the hardcore scene anyway. So we we just, and we always played like both, we, we played a lot of metal shows, we played a lot of hardcore shows. So, I mean, we were just, we put out the demo, then Stefan from Kickback put out a seven inch, then we put out another seven inch with a friend, and uh, we did the Philly Dust Crew with, with Met from uh, Too Damn Hype. So, uh, you know, it was just a, a lot of grind, you know, a lot of, a lot of putting the work in. And then you guys kind of, bef- on the debut, the truth in the age of lies, you linked up with Victory Records, and I think... People don't realize that around that time, Victory Records were, they were a bit of an everything label in a, in a good sense of the word. You know, they'd, they'd been releasing um, Buried Alive. There were all these different styles going on. Um, how did the link up happen? And do you feel it was an essential thing for you to get on a label? Or were you the kind of band that a label was just a bonus if you got on one? Well, we, we, knew a lot of the bands that were on victory. So we, we were friends with hate breed. We were friends with blood for blood and, uh, buried alive was about to be on victory and reach the sky was about to be on victory. So as far as, as far as signing to victory, it just, it just made sense because it was a lot of the bands that we were playing with at the time anyway. Um, and you know, it definitely helped us out in, in ways that we couldn't have, done it on our own but at the at the same time you know all out war was never a band that was too interested in in the business aspect of anything i mean we were we were just out there doing our thing so i mean it wasn't something probably that we needed to do mm-hmm. it was something that that helped us yeah but i don't think i think it was more of just hey all the friends are on this label we might as well be on this label you know yeah and it was quite a quite a successful link up um you your second album for those who were crucified 
to this day, a lot of people that, you know, say they're a fan of the band, it's considered quite the cult classic of your discography in many ways. Um, but that, that album then linked to, you know, the usual band ins and outs of members, unfortunately, which anyone listening, it is unfortunately a reality, a band, you're dealing with multiple relationships and things can change in a band. And right. um, I think that's quite often forgotten, but was was that album for you guys reaction-wise, was it really a success at the time or do you think it's something that over the years has developed into such a cult classic, as I said, or a fan favourite? I think at the, at the time it, it got a lot of new people into the band because it was on victory. I think at the same time, like, like we keep touching on, um, it, it got a mixed reaction because it was a lot more straightforward metal than just about any other band on victory. So it wasn't like we just jumped into that whole built in victory crowd because it was, it was really an abrasive record for, some of those types of people, you know, and I definitely think over time it, it got to be more appreciated than it was when it came out. But at the same time, it did open, open a lot of doors for us at the time. So it, it definitely had a positive impact. Is that something, you know, you said there and we've touched on it a few times, is that something that's been frustrating is the fact that people um, can't decide you know, what they think about you is in style-wise. You know, you have your dedicated fans, but then the passing casual fan um, seems to just want you to be a hardcore band, just wants you to be a thrash band. Can, is that frustrating or is that just something that you just go, well, it is what it is, we do what we do, and if they accept it, they accept it. If they don't, they don't. Right, no, it's not frustrating at all. It's exactly what we set out to do. You know, it's it's ex we never wanted to fit in. You know, we never wanted to be like that safe band that fit in nicely. And I mean, it really reflects my personality anyway, because I don't really fit in anywhere, you know, in <laughs> life. So it's fitting that the that the band doesn't fit in either. You know, and I mean, when we when we started the band, that was one of the things we we were definitely going to push the envelope you know, because of just where our influences were coming from. We weren't going to sit there and, and just say, okay, we have to sound this way to be accepted because we never really wanted to be accepted. And, you know, it's worked. It is. And it's also interesting, a band like yourselves that have been through a change in the styles and scenes that you've never, I don't like the phrase, but it, it is the phrase, is that you've never sold out. You've stuck to your guns and you haven't waned from that. Right. We, we've we never been a band to, to bow down to anybody and we've never been a band that said, okay, um, you know, we got to act a certain way or, or we got to belong to this crowd. You know, we are who we are and we're always going to be that way. And, um, it doesn't really matter to us. You know, we, we do this because we love doing this and we're happy that we have that cult following that appreciates it and gets it. And anybody else that wants to come along for the ride, that's great, but we're not going to, we're not going to change what we do. I love that. Fuck yes. Love that. Um, more power to you. I just, yeah. Fuck yes. Um, Mike, do it. Just keep doing it. I love it. Um, 
there was an interesting thing with the pattern of the band that I wonder if it, for you guys, if it was necessary or what was the story behind it, but you did Condemned to Suffer, which was the third full length, and then you guys took some time off and you kind of announced it as a breakup, and then there was two years and then bang, you're back into it. Um, was it something that had to be done at the time? Was there just things going on? It was like, we got to just step away for a bit? Or was it something where your hand was forced and it was like, oh, well, unfortunately, we're going to have to take some time off? No, it was just something we needed to do. You know, we needed to step away from it for a while. I mean, things were things were getting hectic with life and it's just, uh, you know, we just needed the break you know and and i mean you know we we took the break and then we came back and we did the two records assassins in the house of god and um and into the killing fields and then eventually after you know into the killing fields the, for those who were crucified lineup got back together and um that's the lineup that's been we've had the most steady um, lineup of our existence with this latest run. I mean, we've been, you know, since 2012, we've been, we've been together, you know, with this lineup and we've put out. And you see the, uh, the EP, Dying Gods. Yeah. That, sorry. Yeah. And you see that, you know, you see that. And it, I think it shows in the music now because anything, anytime that there's a bit of um, steadiness in the core writing and the core members going on, it shows in the music because, as you said, Dying Gods, um, two years ago we had Give Us Extinction. And it seems now, from an outsider who's been into you guys for quite a while now, that suddenly more people are talking about All Out War. Um, and I don't know if that's because maybe some people are now appreciating bands that kind of have been setting the groundwork for what's going on, but that's what it looks like to me. It's a feels like a lot of kids are now saying, oh, yeah, I'm excited about the new album, Judas Always Crawls. And I think, well, you didn't even, it's like you didn't even know this band three years ago, but hey, you know the band now. It's quite an interesting, exciting time for you guys going forward. I think that there's a lot more consistency than there's been in a long time with All Out War because, you know, we've been pumping out records. You know, it hasn't been like, okay, we put out a record and then, you're not going to hear from us for a while. And then we'll, maybe we'll play some shows. And then three or four years later, there'll be a record. Now we've been pretty consistent with putting out something at least every two years. I mean, 2015, Dying Gods came out. 2017, um, Give Us a came out. And now here we are, 2019. <laughs> and um, Crawl Among the Filth will come out. What are, you, what are you expecting with this release? Do you, are you expecting to get back on the grind and get out to more shows, or is it going to be the thing that you're going to stick to what you do, which is play when you can, don't push it too much? Um, you know, is there any modern stresses with touring for a band like yourselves, or is it kind of you can pick and choose what shows you do and tours you do? Yeah, we pick and choose what we do. We don't, we don't have the... 
I mean, I've never been a person that really liked touring anyway. You know, I, I really like when we used to do like really long tours, I really liked the first two weeks and I really liked the last two weeks, <laughs> you know, and, and all that in the middle. I just wanted to be home because I'm, I'm like that person that just, you know, uh, is socially awkward, I guess, or um, I, I need that time to unwind. And I, I just can't be on the road all the time. And, and now, you know, I have so many responsibilities at home also, you know, that we would never be a full-time touring band. But we have done a, a lot of stuff, you know, in the last few years. Well, that's just the thing. not any long, drawn-out tours. That's the thing. You're still a touring band. Yeah, like you said, it's just not, you know, 78-date uh, tour. Um, you're a bit wiser right, with that. Right, exactly. And, you know, whether whether it's through, whether it's uh, needed or not, it's smarter way of touring. I think the problem nowadays is it's balancing needing to tour but not oversaturating yourself in a certain section of the touring cycle. Right, totally. Now, with the new album that's about to come out at the end of July, July 26th, to be appropriate... Um, We've talked about your lyrical content and how, you know, you are upfront with what's going on. You're talking about certain topics. What's going on theme-wise or lyrically on this album? What have you been getting out there to the world to hear? Are there things you can tell us that you're talking about on this album? Well, you know, lyrically, it's... it's uh along the same lines as it usually is. Um, I guess with this one, it's more focused on the fact that, you know, we feel this need, you know, to find comfort. And, and humanity always has felt this need to find comfort. And now it's like, we'll so fi- we'll so blindly follow, whether it be a politician or whether it be a religious figure. But, but now I'm finding, especially here in the U.S., it's these political figures. We're so willing to attach ourselves to these people and, and you know, throw our support for these people. And we don't seem to recognize the darkness in it. We don't seem to recognize the shortcomings. And, and now it's like we'll fight each other over these politicians that don't really care about us as individuals at all. They just see us as consumers yet we just blindly follow them. And it's, it's a really strange time in history. It's a, a spe- for America, it's very, it's, you mentioned there about inner fightings. It, that's gotta be fucking weird. I, has that ever been the case that, if someone's left wing or right wing, they've not got along. I know they don't really get along, but what I mean is I don't remember hearing anything about someone that was following Bush or not. We're hating each other, but now it's like you follow Trump and you follow Trump apparently to the ends of the earth. But if you don't follow Trump, you hate him to the ends of the earth. It's really weird from an, from an Australian standpoint. It seems very strange what's going on there. Right. As, as a country, we're so polarized at this point where it's it's gotten you, you can't even have a discussion because if you say one thing that a person disagrees with, all of a sudden they assume you're all the way right or all the way left. They never 
Yeah, we've lost the ability to reason in this country. We've lost the ability to have rational thought, to take issues and just kind of dissect them and say, okay, I feel this way about this issue, but I feel that way about another issue. All of a sudden now, it's either right or left. And I think social media makes it even worse because now you have these people that seem to really think that they're playing a hand in, in pulling the strings when that's not the case at all. And I mean, like you said, it's definitely a, a strange point in this country. Yeah, and I think you hit a nail on the head there with the, um, you know, you can't have a discussion, um, and especially a discussion on social media, because if you, it used to be that if I have an opinion about one thing, that's okay, we can talk about it, we can disagree, but we can have a civil discussion about it, and we can leave it at that. And nowadays, if you, if I have an opinion and you don't like it, you, you won't listen to it. It just turns into hate, negativity, um, bullying. It's reached a whole weird level that you can't have an actual debate or open discussion. It's either you believe me or not is the kind of way it's gone. Right. And as soon as, as, soon as you disagree, it loses all civility and it just turns into pointless name calling and anger. You know, it doesn't turn, it doesn't turn into, okay, well, you feel this way. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's have a discussion. And maybe at the end of this, we'll either agree or we'll just agree to disagree and move on. But that doesn't happen anymore. It's just, it's just all this anger. And I do, I think part of that, and yeah, I think you're probably going to agree. Do you think a lot of that comes from the fact that in America, you're, head of the country is openly bashing people who have a different agree through his Twitter account. That's fuck. I can't fucking get over this guy, what he does through Twitter. I think it was headed that way. And then when he got into office, he just legitimized it by the tweets and by, you know, his, his actions. And then all of a sudden it just became commonplace. But does it make you scratch your head that, that, or is it embarrassing at the fact that the head of the country behaves like this? Because you don't see anyone, any other country run by someone who openly attacks someone through Twitter. Right. It's just, I, I think it's, it's the sign of the times in the country. I mean, you, I, I always have this discussion with friends of mine about, you know, what's it going to be like in 50 years? Is this going to be just a blip on the screen? You know, is this going to be just something that, that happened and then we move on and it goes back to the way it used to be? Or is this the new norm? Is this the, the way it's going to be? And is this how politicians are going to behave? Is this how you get elected in the United States now? And is it going to be that way forever? You know, it's really, you know, something to think about. You know, is this what society has become? Well, it, it, it's scary as fuck. And I think something you were mentioning before about, you know, the, the some of the things that you're singing about on the new album is how it's not like it in other countries, but in America, how it seems that the church really has infiltrated um, and dictated and influenced people with their thoughts and what they, you know, their mannerisms and what they do. And that also leads a lot of hate because if you don't believe in what they believe, 
then you're not worth their time. Right. And in America, the United States is very strange too, because, and I don't know if it's like this in Australia or not, but in the United States, it really is depending on where you live. You know, if you live in the Northeast, the church doesn't play as big of a role. But if you live in the middle of the country or in the South, then the church really plays a huge role. But, you know, as far as the national elections, the church has infiltrated those elections because politicians need those states to win a national election. Mm. So that's where it becomes dangerous because, you know, like I said, in the, in the Northeast, it's there's not as big of an emphasis on you know Christianity as there is in other parts of the country, but it still doesn't stop it from playing a prominent role just because of votes. It's a bit weird, and you know, you guys with that church coming into it at those times, um, and you're mentioning it with the album is the longing to belong or be a part of something or having hope in something. But then you guys, America makes a lot of press because of like the West Barrow Baptist Church uh, showing that, you know, part of what they preach about is that anyone's welcome, anyone's accepted. And then the way they're acting is not like anyone's welcome or accepted. Exactly. It's, it's like I said before, it's the darkness and the light, you know, People look for the light. They they're so needy for the light that they that they don't see the darkness that's in the light that they're going for, and that that's a problem, you know. And it's not only a problem on a religious level; it's the problem on a political level. You know, everybody is looking for a savior, and by looking for a savior, they're abandoning their own individuality. They're abandoning you know, what's good for safety, you know, and that's on so many levels. And you see that in this country, you know, with the the fear of immigration and the fear of, you, you know, you name it. I mean, it's, it's like we're a country based on fear and we're so afraid that we just need, need the light. And to get the light, we just over, will overlook anything negative. Well, you've also got the thing there, how you're saying they're looking for a saviour within their political parties or as in their House representatives, but a lot of those people that they're putting their faith and saviour feelings into are very corrupt. That's the other thing you've got going on over there is anyone in power is fucked up and will do anything for money from major corporations. Right, but that's that's all part of this stuff that that people are willing to overlook or just refuse to believe because they need a savior at all costs, and that savior is either going to come by way of a politician or a religious figure. So, I mean, it's a very dangerous time, especially when you consider how much military power the United States has mm. that the population is going down this road because who knows who or what they'd be willing to accept. So do you think there is a way that we can start getting on a right track or do you think we're scarily at a point where maybe we can't turn back? Um, Is there a way we can save things? You know, what you guys do musically is certainly opening eyes, but do you think we need more of it? Do do you think we need more shows that are going to open eyes? What do you think we need to do if there is something we can do? We need more 
of that. We need more people to be okay with being uncomfortable. We need more people that are going to take a stand and we need more people who are going to be awakened and see all of this and stop being, you know, followers. I think a lot of things too is, and I mean, maybe I'm shifting directions and maybe I'm not. It's like everybody perceives themselves as a wolf, Mm -hmm. but really there's too many sheep, you know, and a lot of the people that think they're wolves are actually worse than the sheep because they're following a bigger and worse wolf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of people do drop yeah. that. Yeah. I'm a wolf thing. That's a bit. Yeah. Right. You hear it all the time. You hear all mm. these people say that they're a wolf, you know, I'm a wolf. I'm not a sheep. Yeah. Well, you are more of a sheep than you realize, and the real wolf's about to eat you. But they don't—they don't see it that way. No, it—it's—it's it's fucked up. Thank uh, you know. I think everyone listening, you know, you need to start sourcing out the truth. You need to start sourcing out the actual reality that's going around you. Uh, make your own choices. Don't make your choices based off what you're told. Um, right. And I think that's a lot of it. Is we we revel in things like social media and the power of our phones nowadays, but I think people forget that we can use those instruments to find out things we mightn't realize. We can find out the truth. We can find out about the history of places. We don't need to just take what we think is gospel about things. We can find the truth out there. Right, and people need to read again. People mm-hmm. don't read anymore. People don't read texts. You don't have to buy into every text you read, but read and try to expand your mind a little bit and try to make some sense out of things. Because I think by not reading, we're losing our ability to think and we're specifically critical thinking skills is starting to be lost because uh, probably because, you know, people are so used to getting their information through tweets and, and through, you know, other means of social media or, or they're just willing to be told, you know, mm. what to think. Yeah. It's... And they, they lost their ability to really decipher information. It is. It's spot on with reading. Just discover to learn to read and learn to write. That's the other thing that's getting forgotten. Um, right. I thought we'd just change up because we haven't got much time left. So I thought we'd change up with a couple of other questions about what's going on. And we've kind of touched on a little bit in there. And one is the crazy side that you see now with social media, not only as um, a person, but also as being in a band, is how much focus and attention is given to social media. As in, it's a very... Uh, sometimes important platform for getting out to people and reaching people. Is this something that has taken time for a band like yourselves that's been around since the early 90s to grasp, or is it something that you don't feel is 100% necessary? Unfortunately, in today's world, it is necessary because I was just talking to somebody, you know, the other day about flyers 
and oh, yeah. that I wanted to put flyers in a record store. And they looked at me like I was nuts and wasted my time because they said, well, what are you going to do that for? Because people don't even go to record stores anymore. They get everything off of social media. So you need an events page, which I totally agree with, you know, but it, it was just like, I had to think for a second. I was like, yeah, you know what? You're unfortunately sort of right because I mean, so many people get all their information off of social media and as a band you it's a necessary evil because it wasn't for for the band i don't even think i would i would be on instagram or facebook or any of that kind of stuff and and i do find out you know how much of a time waste it is because mm-hmm. like you get drawn in you know promoting the band or doing whatever and and the next thing you know you're you lost an hour looking at nonsense yeah you know <laughs> it's like cool. half the stuff i look at i'm not even interested in i just mindlessly scroll through it and i just you know just read people's you know random thoughts that they feel the need to throw out to the world that is one thing that I can't understand is people telling me random events of their day or random events that they want sympathy for having um, had experienced for the day. Um, it's weird. Right. I, I don't understand it because if you've got a problem, I don't, you know, put it on a social media platform. I don't, you know, people put it there right. for the attention. I don't need to know how angry you are at the guy in the car in front of you. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to know that. But thanks for sharing. Yeah. And I mean, some people, it's like their whole day is spent being, you know, angry or sad or depressed on social media. And it's, I mean, I feel bad that you're angry and depressed and, and whatever. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, maybe you should be off of social media and doing something to, you know, have a more positive experience in life. It's also a weird time when, you know, I don't, I tend to not go on there a lot. I tend to keep off it and I certainly don't post a lot on there unless it's something podcast related. And then people say, are you okay? You haven't been posting on social media. And it's like, of course I'm fine. I don't need to post on here. It's not important. That's not my life. Like it's not encapsulated on an app. But unfortunately it's becoming like more of a reality than reality. Yeah, and for a band, it's now deemed um, you have to have frequent content. You got to be constantly posting a live photo or a, or a poster or a video clip or a sample of a song. And it's in a way, it's losing the art of, you know, as you said, flyers, reaching out, media, proper marketing, proper DIY work. Right. It's it's losing the community aspect of everything where, you know, at the shows, people don't even really talk because they're going to talk later on social media. Yeah. Or well, they have their phone up taking right. and filming the set. Right. That's a weird right, thing. Exactly. Um, what about the record industry for you? You know, you've seen it gone from being, you know, physical media was important um, and was essential for a band. Not only physical media, but merch sales were important for a band because it was what, and still is in many ways, what brought in the revenue for a band. And now you look at some bands aren't even printing physical media. They're making things just online accessible. Where's, 
where do you see the record industry nowadays after your spanning career? Do you see that it's at a weird time? Do you think it's a bad time? Do you think it's a good time? What are your feelings on how it's spanning out? I think it's a better time right now. I think, you know, you go back 10 years ago, it was at an all-time low because people didn't want physical copies, you know, maybe even a little bit longer than 10 years ago. But now it's starting to come back, especially with with vinyl. You know, vinyl's kind of making a, making a comeback, which I, for me personally, is a great thing, not only as a person in the band, but just as a fan of music because I like vinyl. I like owning I buy a lot of music and I always have bought like physical mm-hmm. um copies of things. I've never bought and I mean nobody believes me, but I've never been a big fan of the digital stuff. You know, I've always wanted to have the vinyl and then for a while I had to buy CDs because it was the only thing out there and I was never a fan of CDs. So I'm I'm glad that vinyl's back. And I'm glad that people are buying vinyl again. So I think it's a good thing. But for a while, I think it's it's doing better now, I should say. But, you know, a few years ago, it was definitely, you know, where bands or record labels had to do all these package deals just to sell a hard copy, mm. you know? Well, I mean, also... Because I mean, I, I, I mean, yeah. I remember when you could just put a record up and you didn't have to say, okay, buy the record and here's a shirt and here's a hoodie and here's, you know, you could just put the record up and people would buy the record. Now it's it's not like that. I, I also think, and I wonder if what your feelings on it is one of my worrying things, because I'm the same as you. I'm a collector. I have since I was, I think, seven or eight and I still do to this day. But a worrying thing for me nowadays is it looks like I think it might just be the general generation and the times are changing, but it feels like attention spans with music have shortened and they've got to basically nothing because of things like streaming devices like Spotify. So now if you're not putting out constant albums or constant music, people will switch off and change from one band to another really quickly. But also the other part of that is if they get the album – if they don't like one song, they'll just go to someone else and won't come back. Because I remember going to record stores and buying something based off the artwork. And no matter what, no matter how long it would take me, I was going to get into this album because I've spent my hard-earned money on this. And within, right, right. if I liked it straight away, that was a bonus. But it sometimes might take two weeks, might take six weeks, but I'd end up loving that fucking album. Nowadays, if I don't like that album on Spotify, I can just swipe left or right and I forget about that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, just like you, would buy records just based on album covers, you know, or, you know, I would buy records based on another band's thank you list. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I would go through the thank you list and bands that they thanked, I would buy the record. And I went into it really wanting to like the record. And I think that's a different thing too, because I think in today's world, people go into it wanting to not like the record as Mm. funny as that sounds, because now people just want to hate on bands. So they, they're actually, it feels like they're, they're rooting for, the album to flop the rooting for the album to be bad so they can go and make their little snarky comments 
online. You know, it's not like what you said, where, where you want to love the record. You know, I always went into it wanting to love the record. I didn't want to go into it, you know, wanting to hate the record, you know, I mean, that would defeat the purpose, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, thank you notes was a big thing. Like, as you mentioned, but also print media was a big thing. Um, you'd open up a magazine and they'd, you know, they'd have some band they were talking about and they were about to release an album. You'd be like, right, I'm going to make sure I get down to the record store and buy that. But it was artworks. It was labels. Um, I, I'm just a bit worried with where we're going. I think there are positives, but I, I'm a bit worried that we're heading down a time where, you know, nobody's going to care now if a band releases an album. They're going to go, nah, I don't care about that. And then they discover some folk thrash band from, you know, Estonia, and that's all they give a shit about. I'm just a bit bit worried, right. and I hope we we start appreciating, like you, said, like you said, vinyl. It is making a comeback. I just hope we start appreciating the discovery of music, and I think that's probably what I'm most annoyed about, this discovering bands and discovering music is being lost. Oh, I, I agree 100% with that, definitely. Um, now, kind of my last kind of question before we wrap things up, dude, is we're kind of touching on it in bits and pieces here and there, but the sense of community at live shows and the sense of community within the scene um, is something where I, I would want your you know, take on. Do you think there is still a sense of community in metal or hardcore? Um, and also, do you think going to a live show is still important for the community? Because as you have said earlier, and as I was when growing up, I met a lot of people at local shows. And whether I went on my own or not, I always felt accepted. And I could go and have have fun. But nowadays, people don't really want to go to a show. And it's not because of the community aspect. It's because they just can't be bothered because they can watch it on their phone. But do you think there's still a community? And do you think live shows are still important to a community? It's a great question. Well, first, yeah, I think that live shows are important to a community. You know, I think that... Um, it's a necessity, especially in a scene like this. But I agree with you that now, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, are just saying to themselves, well, I'll see this band when they come through the next time. I don't really want to go out or I'll just watch it on YouTube or somebody will record it and I'll just watch it. You know, that's not taken away from any of the band, any of the people that are out there working hard filming the shows, but it is disheartening that some people will prefer to sit at home and then make comments over social media about the show rather than actually going out and seeing the show. Like everybody wants to critique the show and criticize the show and criticize the band, but nobody wants to go out and actually, you know, physically see it. Like it's almost like, look, why don't you just go to the show and tell people you didn't like it? Like, why do, why do you have to, you know, do it all behind the safety of, uh, of your screen? It's weird. It's weird. I, I, I hope, you know, like you said, people start going to shows, but yeah, it is worrying. They're not. Um, I think we need to remember that that's being lost is that the community is what a lot of us, got drawn into the fact that we all belong whether 
whether we're this race, that race, that background, that background, we can all come together and enjoy the same thing. And I don't, I don't know what it's like in America, but I'm getting worried in Australia because live music venues are getting shut down left, right, and center. And we're going to reach a stage in this right. country where you won't even have anywhere to see live music. So if you see a live show in your town, it's only 10 bucks, 15 bucks, 20 bucks, get off your ass, spend a Friday night down, just go for a bit, an hour, 45 minutes, whatever it is, get out to that show because when you pay to get into that show, that shows that people give a fuck and it's important. Right. Especially if if you are claiming that this is your lifestyle and this is something that's important to you, because I mean, when I look back, you know, and he, and even today, my, my friends come from this scene, my wife has come from this scene. So obviously my, my children are, a, are a product of this scene. I mean, I, my life revolves around it still, you know, it did, it did when I was younger. It still does now. And where did I meet all these people? I met all these people at shows. And I mean, you hear so many people talk the talk, you know, say, oh, this is my life. I'm all, this is, this is me. But it's not you if your only interaction is through the internet. I mean, that's not a community. That's not, that's not reality. That's just, um, you know, that, that's just you sitting in a room. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just old. I don't know. No, no. Well, well, maybe I'm just old too then, but you hit the nail on the head. Um, Spot on. Um, Now, Mike, the last thing I do with every chat is a segment called Pick Your Poison. Now, what I do here is I give you two options and you pick your favorite of the two. Um, Some might be hard. The music ones are probably going to be hard, Uh, but, you know. You can justify your answer or not, but it just gives people an idea that, you know, if they hung out for you, with you for a day, what are the kind of things that you'd pick? Okay. Would you go a pizza or a burger? Pizza. No real reason. <laughs> just pizza. <laughs> Would you go Chinese takeaway or Indian takeaway? Chinese. Would you? Again, no real would you cook at home? Or would you go to a restaurant? I would go to a restaurant because I'm lazy and don't want to clean up. <laughs> would you see a movie at the cinema or on your couch at home? At the cinema, just because of the overall impact. Are you a cat or a dog person? Dog. Hey, good answer. Uh, beach or snow? Beach. I was just talking to my wife about how I love the summer. I can't stand the winter. Um, are you an Arnie person or a Sylvester Stallone person? A what? Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester that. Stallone? Oh, uh, Schwarzenegger, Conan the Barbarian, come on. Rambo or Rocky? Rocky. Slayer or Pantera? Layer all the way, not even close. Testament or anthrax? Testament. Van Halen or Motley Crue? I would say Motley Crue for the first two records. Ooh. Uh, Terra or Mare Bull? I've 
Um, love Madball, but I'm good friends with Scott Vogel, so I say terror. Uh, sick of it all or agnostic front? Agnostic front. Metallica or Megadeth? Metallica. Would you prefer stage dives or mic grabs when you play? Mic grabs because it gives me a break. <laughs> Good answer. Um, would you prefer to watch a show from the mosh pit or up the back with the sound desk? When I was younger, from the mosh pit, today, from the back. <laughs> yeah, same for me. I get too close to a mosh pit and I just start feeling pain even though I'm not in there. It's weird. Um, would you prefer to tour for the rest of your life or record for the rest of your life? Record. And the last one, which is a triple one, would you prefer to own an album on your phone, on CD, or on vinyl? Vinyl. And the only reason I said the uh, record is because um, recording I can see myself doing indefinitely. Like with Doring and with my kids getting older, it gets harder and harder to be away from them. But um, but I but I like to but I love to play live. Yeah, and that's the thing that yeah, no matter how your life's going, no matter where you're at, you can always get down to a uh, a booth and smash out another album that's the advantages of it right i i can record forever um mike that's us all done man that that absolutely kicked ass that achieved a lot more than i thought we would um excelled and so much fun to you know chat and thank you for being so yourself thank you for being open and good great great fucking dialogue loved it Oh, it was awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on.
of revolutionary suicide protesting the conditions of an inhumane world.
So that was my chat with Mike from All Out War, and at the end there you heard the track Judas Always Crawls, which is from their brand new album just released called Crawl Among the Filth. You also heard the track Bodies for the Machine, which is from their album Give Us Extinction. And lastly, you heard the absolute iconic song Soaked in Torment from the legendary album For Those Who Were Crucified. At this part of the show, I always tell you guys and remind you guys, now is the time to get into this discography of All Out War. If you haven't yet discovered this band, I'll be surprised. They have been going around for a while, but hey, if you haven't discovered them, now is your chance. Get in. There is so many great albums, so many absolute outstanding songs. They are a band that do something that so many bands have since copied these guys are the ogs and mike is an absolute legend so as i've also said previously before the chat make sure you get online and definitely check out crawl among the filth that's the brand new one but all their albums are amazing so get into it get online get on ebay get down to your record store buy a t-shirt buy a vinyl whatever you got to do support mike support all out war Also, thank you again, Mike. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. Really, really thankful we got to chat for the show. So that's it. That's the Mosh Zone episode 78. Done, dusted, all wrapped up, locked away for this week. Guys, if you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in. I hope you come back over future weeks on future episodes. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in and hope you come back in future weeks. This time of the show is when I remind you that we need your help to get out to more listeners. So if you've got a few moments this week and you enjoyed this episode, share it on your social medias. Also, tell everyone you know about the Mosh Zone. Help us out. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. Also, at this time of the show, I need to remind you that if you want to find Mosh News and Mosh Reviews, we have it all on our website and social medias. Our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, don't forget, you can also get in touch through our email address, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. Get in touch, guys. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. There's not much else to talk about. That is all of my rambling done. Thank you for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Open the pitch.